welcome to this May episode of Transatlantic Conversation. Last month we talked about liberty and that was the first topic we took from the US Constitution. This week, uh, this month we continue with the pursuit of happiness. And from the US Constitution it also already took a long path into pop culture. It's uh, one American frame of mind and in today's discussions um, people are thinking uh, um, about changing GDP into GDH, so Gross National Happiness Index. And um, I'm looking forward to discuss with you private happiness or public happiness. Uh, and that we're just going to see in which direction the discussion goes. And if any one of you wants to already add some spontaneous ideas about or around happiness, the pursuit of happiness, go ahead. If that's not the case yet, then we're going to start with one small part I have prepared. Josiah Quincy, 1774, the greatest happiness of the greatest number. James Wilson, 1774, the happiness of society is the first law of every government. John Adams, 1776, the happiness of the society is the first law of every government. In short, none of these spokesmen of the American cause thought of happiness as something a people were entitled to simply to strive for, but as something that was theirs by natural right. Okay, this is from one of the texts I sent around before, and it's from the text The Lost Meaning of the Pursuit of Happiness by Arthur M. Schlesinger. And what I found very interesting here, and you can just join your ideas whenever you, you want, is that it's like when I heard pursuit of happiness and we will also see that in the other or we saw that in the other texts I thought okay everyone has the right to struggle and to find a way to find happiness but this text um, really changes the look onto pursuit of happiness so it's not to give everyone the chance to run after finding happiness, but really also saying all of you are entitled to enjoy happiness, to have happiness. And I think that might be one of the things we, we discuss in, in this discussion. So what we understand when we read or hear the pursuit of happiness. And I would be very interested in how you understood uh, pursued before reading those texts or before hearing those short uh, quotes from people that were also partly giving input into the US Constitution. Yeah, I feel like you already like one of the important things like I feel like to just understand what like is meant by pursuit, like is it meant to chase after happiness or to obtain it? I think one of the texts also mentioned it. Um, and I feel like before reading through the text we got, I feel like pursuit of happiness for me was something that's is something you strive for but never really achieve. It's always like a constant pursuit. Well, that's exactly what I normally understood. And what's also interesting there, and we will see that later also in quotes and also we saw that in the text, is that there 
is a differentiation between happiness as a feeling that each person can have by him or herself or if happiness is something that society is responsible for or that is also something that a society as a whole can experience and i think that's also makes a quite quite a difference because if you think that it's really just something that one person can experience and the other one doesn't at the same moment then and and maybe we, we go to a quote already now um, where this is shown is that happiness as a sensation is really something short and i will just give you a quote where this is elaborated on our happiness depends less on objective conditions and more on our own expectations expectations however tend to adapt to conditions when things improve expectations rise and consequently even dramatic improvements in conditions might leave us as dissatisfied as before in their pursuit of happiness people are stuck on the proverbial hedonic treadmill running faster and faster but getting nowhere so i think that's exactly what you you said julian is that firstly when we are happy changes uh, from to our expectations so something that made that made us happy last month if we already got used to it we are not happy about that anymore and also with the same experience this month we also might not be able to be happy and if we understand this way and that's like for me that's interesting and it's from this this uh, quote was from a text from uh, Yuval Noah Harari uh, we were happier in stone age he wrote this short text in the guardian and it's basically part of one of his uh, uh, books from homo deus so what's interesting for me and i i think his his books are great but he didn't include the this notion of happiness that we saw in the other text so he didn't include the notion of pursuit of happiness meaning something public or something that a society as a whole can experience and then of course we have to differentiate between those different meanings of happiness and then the different meanings of pursuit um, and maybe others of you want to add their i firstly their ideas of what they thought pursuit of happiness means and then also what at the moment you think uh, the pursuit of happiness means uh, well for me uh, pursuit of happiness first meant uh, basically that everybody has the same starting conditions uh, in order to pursue his individual interests and uh, find out what these interests are and uh, basically achieve happiness through chasing those interests. And uh, one aspect that was, uh, or that got to me after reading the text is, and also uh, hearing the quote just now is uh, that happiness can also be uh, just just the uh, 
not not the goal of life, but it can also be used to describe a certain moment and just this very the the feeling at at the moment you do something. For example, I think in the text somewhere he uses the example of getting a promotion. Uh, that by getting the promotion you feel very happy at that moment, but it's not what I thought it or what I used happiness for. It was basically more this. Uh, the goal, my basically the reason to live, what everybody strives after. So uh, I think it's quite interesting that you could also see it more as the element of the moment. That's that's also a point that I think is quite interesting because that, in fact, it's it's a we can think about uh, life goals and then think okay on. My last hour, I want to look back onto my life and think, okay, it was a happy life. Or we can each day wake up and try to be happy on that day. And then also there's the question on how those two images of happiness interact with each other. Because you can look like, depending on your upbringing or on your... Yeah, mental, I don't know, not mental health, but your, your just mental status. You, you are searching for the happiness and that also is part of at the end of life, looking back and say, okay, I had a happy life because there were every second day I had a really happy feeling or at least once a year or uh, all those things that I thought made me happy, I couldn't reach, so I'm, I'm not happy or at the end of life you look back and say okay I, I didn't experience happiness as much as i wanted to but i was able to pursue happiness even though and there were uh, at least i had the opportunity to do so and and i could get better from time to time so that it's it's for me that's fascinating and also that's like, of course, when I think about what topic we can discuss, I already have in mind the possibility of this being an interesting uh, topic. But when, like, reading those texts, they, they give so much new input. And then uh, also di discussing this with you, um, at least in my experience, gives so much new input that pursuit of happiness is a small thing and as i said before it's even part of pop culture so everyone has some or can create some relationship to this short sentence pursuit of happiness but then it does mean so much and in, in, in so many different ways that that it's quite hard if we don't have the time, if we don't take the time to really discuss the topic, then we will realize, or if we discuss, we realize that actually all of us have in more or less a different understanding of pursuit of happiness. And still we use this phrase and think, okay, it's clear we understand each other. Uh, well, two points to add into that. I think, uh, what makes or what could also uh, lead into the different different meanings of happiness is that everybody is uh, 
built different, like everybody has a different uh, state of mind. And so naturally there'd be uh, different meanings of happiness since we're not all the same. And uh, what I just thought of now is that maybe for me, uh, happiness would be actually the pursuit, like the process of actually pursuing a goal uh, while uh, happiness as described in the last quote would be uh, just a happy feeling in the, in the moment. Like, so uh, I think that the term happiness and also in, ter in the way it's used in pop culture and political culture, for me, it resembles more to the, uh, to the gaining happiness by doing something and that the action is actually the happiness. Definitely, yes, I can agree with that. And, and I think that's just so many fundamental questions. If it's something that is right now in the moment happening and you live each day as if it will be your last kind of and, and it's super happy or if it's something that lives on the horizon. So kind of you're standing on a mountaintop and, and it's something you're striving for. So happiness is on the horizon, kind of that way of thinking. So I think that is the first thing we have to differentiate. And, and another thing we already talked about, Jacob, and that was um, the, the different meanings of, of happiness. And also I agree with that, Benedict, um, that it's something hugely individually for each and everybody of us, because we are just different in, in how we think about happy and what makes us happy. Um, but I also think that there are two different meanings, probably um, those, the quote about um, we were happier in the stone age, probably talks about a different meaning of happiness as the American constitution does. Um, so I think there is this individual happiness. So what makes you happy? And then there's this society, society kind of happiness. And that is also what I thought in, in the quote was, that is super interesting that you kind of have this framework of thinking and it's kind of influencing and impacting your way you think about happiness in, in a way when, when there's war or there's kind of something going on in the world wouldn't that mean that everybody in the world would be super sad and not happy because a lot of crises and catastrophes and and a lot of negative things are happening so that, that was just a thought of mine and i think the super connectiveness we are living in today is is kind of not what probably stone <laughs> man in the stone age have have lived in kind of they didn't know that somewhere on the other side of the planet was happening you know what i mean I think what the two of you also described was that, of course, there's a difference between what makes each of us happy. And then there is also a different understanding of what the notion of happiness means. So not only did this feeling, the emotion happy is different for all of us, but also if we talk about the, the, the topic of happiness, then we also find uh, that as we just see, it's not clear. And then 
smart text like the US Constitution or smart text like a book from Harari, they use happiness and they don't expect, there's no definition of happiness. They just use it. And then we have to translate. Yeah, we, we translate to our own understanding, actually, if we don't take a step back and, and really just think about the notion or the, the feeling of happiness. And if, if, if you don't have something to add now, I would like to uh, share two notions of happiness or two descriptions of happiness that they, uh, I found in the text, The Pursuit of Happiness, What the Founders Meant and Didn't from Kathleen Kennedy Townsend. I think she is, I don't know, the granddaughter of some Kennedy. So I start with um, a text from Ronald Reagan and then I already go on to Robert Kennedy and hopefully we were able to discuss them a bit. Ronald Reagan, 1968. Well, of course, the biologist, I suppose, would say that like all breed of animals, the basic instinct is to reproduce our kind. But I believe it's inherent in the concept that created our country and in the Judeo-Christian religion that man is for individual fulfillment. For our religion is based on the idea not of any mass movement, but of individual salvation. Each man must find his own salvation. I would think that our national purpose in this country, and we have lost sight of it too much in the last three decades, is to be free, to the limit possible with law and order, every man to be what God intended him to be. Robert Kennedy, 1968 I think you have to break it down to people who have some advantages and those who are just trying to survive and have their families survive. If you have enough to eat, for instance, I think basically it's to make a contribution to those who are less well off. I complained because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. You can always find someone that has a more difficult time than you do, has suffered more and has faced some more difficult time one way or the other. If you made some contribution to someone else to improve their life and make their life a bit more livable, a little bit more happy, I think that's what you should be doing. So I didn't research this, but I think they were both trying to be the next president, one of them trying to be president again, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, so they, they answered the same question uh, at the same time quite different and I think still in today's societies or today's politics we can find that there are those two different understandings and of course there are some shifts so uh, the, the argumentation of Ronald Reagan he uses also some uh, religious standpoint some would take this out but still from the argumentation would yeah, go in the same same direction. And then Robert Kennedy uh, argues that happiness comes if you share your happiness in some sense or your well-being. And then if you realize others are happy, then yourself also will feel happy. 
And once again, even in those texts, we can realize that they don't use happiness just in this personal sense or just in this public sense of happiness, but they also uh, interchange while using the, the notion of happiness. Well, I could add something to the to the second quote. Um, I think that was really interesting, just like the given the fact that uh, sometimes people, you know, most likely more privileged people take uh, certain things for granted. And he said, you you only take it for granted until you meet someone or you see someone who is who does not have what you have or who can't just can't have what you have. And I think um, that defines a little bit happiness as well. So, um, you know, maybe uh, some guys are, um, you know, happy with certain things and other guys are just happy to kind of have food on the plate, you know? And um, uh, I think that defines, or that's like a, a, a cultural thing, you know, like uh, obviously it's, it's different if you, uh, if, if you go on the street and ask people in Germany or in America, what their happiness is. And uh, then you go somewhere, you know, in a, in a development country and uh, they have a totally, totally different uh, pursuit of happiness. But uh, I really like that, um, you know, the acknowledgement of, um, I, I, I think he said, I, I, I was, uh, I didn't have shoes. And then I meet, uh, met someone who doesn't have feet or something, you know, which is like a, you know, a crazy example, in my opinion. And uh, you can go on and on with those examples. But that's, uh, I mean, I've had it in a totally different uh, variation, basically. But I mean, just to give you like a just very quick example, um, I went to a university in America and I had a full scholarship. And at the end of the day, uh, I only went to America because I had a scholarship and university here is very expensive. And uh, I took it for very much for granted. And then I was living with someone who is in, uh, in, in student debt for probably maybe you know, the next 20, 30 years of his life. And um, uh, for me, it was normal. And for him, uh, maybe his junior, senior year, getting uh, a little bit of money from the program or, you know, uh, that's that's a huge thing for him and his family because, you know, that's uh, and you could see how much it meant to to him and his family and how happy they were with that. Um, and obviously how hard they worked for this, too. And uh, there are two different kinds. Me uh, in this scenario, uh, I took it for granted. I, I you know, to be not to sound arrogant or something, but I wasn't even like that happy about it because I didn't know, I didn't know anything else like that. That's what, how it was from the, from day one. And then I had like the total opposite and um, he had less and he was happy with having less than, than what I had. So um, just going off that example a little bit. So. Yeah. I, I think that's really interesting because uh, I, I think I, I also like experienced that in my own life that basically when you took something for granted and then you see somebody else uh, not having the same thing and having to struggle for the things you have, uh, that you become more aware of those things and they lead to more happiness. But what I thought to myself, which might sound a little drastic, but uh, why, why is it that uh, basically seeing somebody else is less happy is making me more happy if you put it in a really bad way? I, I really don't have an explanation about for this but that's just something that came to my mind because let's say happiness depends on becoming aware of your privileges it would ultimately mean that uh not everybody can be happy because you need to be happier than somebody else in order to be happy if that makes sense uh i just want to throw it in here i i really don't have a good explanation for it 
but that's just uh, something that came to my mind. In preparation also of to this conversation, I watched the movie with Will Smith, The Pursuit of Happiness with a Y. And there he, he is really pursuing uh, something. And then uh, sometimes he talks directly to the camera in some sense and says, okay, this is me running. And then he runs after because I don't know, after the, the bus because he has forgotten something there. And then in the end, he, after six months of intern, unpaid internship, he manages to get the job. And then uh, he's really happy. And then he says, okay, this is one short moment of happiness. And I watched the movie uh, quite critically, meaning from a standpoint where Like, of course, I don't know if you watch the movie, but then for some time he needs to live in a shelter for homeless people with his son. Um, and I, I had the feeling, okay, this is criticizing US society where uh, there's really the, the, the possibility of falling through all cracks and have nothing. And then I watched a, 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 a yeah, movie critique And there it was actually criticizing that it's just like depicting, okay, if you on yourself struggle hard and do everything you can, you can manage uh, basically from a dishwasher to millionaire. And then there's that's also something Benedict just said before. It's always depending on your situation of life, you look onto something. So I, I watched the movie and I felt, okay, this movie shows me yeah, wrong beings in society. And then if someone else watched the movie, also critical, but then this person sees, okay, the movie shows to everyone, don't care about the large number of people who go to the, those shelters, but If you can make it on your own, that's fine. And this is also something I saw in those two quotes because Ronald Reagan says, struggle for yourself and you will be able to uh, yeah, reach your own uh, salvation. And Robert Kennedy says, uh, differently to what you just said, Benedict, if you see someone worse off, Don't be happy about your well-being only, but try to share this to make this other person happy or to lift, lift a bit of this struggle of this hardship. Um, and this is going to be something that really makes you happy. I would like to pick up on the last one a little bit because I think it's just, uh, yeah, how kind of what perspective you have on the thing. In general, I think you can be, I don't know, In a certain position and always depends in which direction you're kind of looking if you i don't know have a decent job and a decent car or you're healthy i don't know and you always look to the right where someone has maybe a better job or with more money or i don't know better car you will always kind of pursue something or pursue kind of happiness but i believe it's more like a short-term thing but you will never stop pursuing something because There is, there is always someone who's maybe a little better off who has something you don't have 
and which you want in a certain point. And on the other hand, which I, I believe Regan said was, um, or which you just mentioned, um, if you maybe look uh, to the left where someone is worse off, obviously you could feel better, maybe helping that person or helping this person to pursue something. But I think uh, even without doing that, you can maybe uh, happiness would be the wrong word for it, but you can't kind of pursue some some kind of fulfillment because you know, hey, you having it, or like you said before, maybe once you want to look back on your life, you can see your life and look at it and say, oh, I missed this chance, missed this, missed this, missed this. But if you look at it and see yourself in a position and have, uh, having a life which lots of or millions of people didn't have because you had a healthy life, you had, you had a lot of friends, you had a family with kids and everyone is healthy, which are all things people are pursuing. You should be kind of happy or you should be kind of fulfilled. But I think it always depends if you kind of, let's say, are looking to the left or looking to the right. I think there's also this... Um moral expectations of people who are well like if we look onto people who are well off we expect them to be at least gracious and not um, greedy to get all the the happiness for for themselves at least um, partly that's what i also heard there um, and then I, this one thing it's also a longer quote it's from um, Our Pursuit of Happiness is Killing the Planet from James Traub in the New York Times. And um, I also have this quotes where he mentions John Stuart Mill and how John Stuart Mill thinks that the individual must be free to speak and act as he wishes um, in all those cases where it only concerns this person, uh, him or herself. And then um, the question is raised um, how uh, Mill would think about a public health system where the society um, yeah, pays health for everyone in one hand, and then people can um, yeah, treat themselves in a way that is unfair with their own body in some sense so they don't they don't mind of drinking too much eating the wrong things never do sports uh, smoke and then be unhealthy but society pays for it in some sense and then additionally there's also um, the problem of secondhand smoke so i smoke and my neighbor also gets sick um, so my happiness my liberty always also enters into other one's happiness. And then there's a longer quote, which I want to, would like to discuss with you. Can, can I just say something that you said earlier? Because I, I, I don't know if you mean it exactly that way, but, but you said uh, sometimes uh, the people that are more well-off, like more privileged, I guess, uh, um, that there shouldn't be or more greedy, I guess, for their happiness or something. But um, I, the thing is, I don't know if you mean it exactly that way, but sometimes I feel like even though if you're more privileged or you are well off, 
doesn't matter financially or health wise or whatever, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are more happy, right? Or that you're, that because I feel like I know also a lot of people that there are maybe the opposite, but they seem like way more positive because maybe what they've accomplished in life already or, or um, just in general, more satisfied, more happy, you know, on a daily basis and maybe those better off people, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. That was what we also discussed before with expectations. People who have already reached a certain standard, right? Just simple things. They they're not. It's not possible anymore to that those things make them happy. Mm-hmm. And people who are living on lower standards with smaller things, they they can be excited. We see that with small children, they they can be really excited about a small stone. Because it's just they're fascinated fascinated by this, and and a larger thing, uh, they they wouldn't mind because they 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 don't understand yet the meaning of a car, for example, for right. uh, how people look to you on society. What I was trying to say is just that um, if we see, and me included, I am generally well and, and and i have nothing to complain about especially if i see those who don't have one foot or who don't have two or who are living on in, in very hard conditions and then this person could always say to me how it's possible that you make this sad face uh, be happy look my life look at your life and and you don't have the right to be sad right. of course this emotion of sadness I can't influence too much and we might also tackle this this specific topic later um, but it, I, I was just trying to describe something that we see in society that those who are privileged we expect them in some sense uh, stop complaining because actually you don't have anything to c- complain about uh, but of course this is also not what they that's not what's happening and also it's not completely correct to say you you were born into a good life so don't try to be happy yeah that makes sense yeah i feel like this also comes back to the question of like what we base happiness on um which we had before i feel like whether it's consciously or unconsciously i feel like most people tend to associate it with monetary things um i mean the same for me at least unconsciously like if you think about what you would want in your life like what's going to make you happy if like most people are going to start with like a good job a house a car whatever um and i feel like it's mostly monetary which i feel like is also why it's difficult to properly measure happiness in a society like based on what factors do you measure i mean i feel like we've like you've probably all heard of the um, the world happiness report which is like every year like which country is the happiest um and like i looked it up and like a lot of it is also based on the gdp of the country um while not fully but it's also gdp it's um social support life expectancy generosity um the level of corruption and the freedom to make life choices and i feel like the gdp and the corruption bits are really like largely based on monetary values so I think it's difficult to define happiness in a society if there's no 
like it's difficult to measure happiness in a society if there's no tangible value to measure it by um if i might if i might add um that i think um that society also kind of determines what is happiness for the individual so as we uh, as you have said that um as we talked about now that it's mostly material things that we defined as uh, bringing someone happiness so we said if someone earns a lot of money and he would be able to help someone and yet he would also st still strive for for more or to achieve more um i'm not sure if this is the the correct definition of happiness to, so i totally agree with you um i for example um or, or jacob you could probably relate with you doing that voluntary work for for gae or um comparable things that that will also be be things that make you happy and that those are wouldn't be things that that give you a particular wealth in a, in a way if you understand what i mean so i think um that it is a societal problem that we um compare happiness uh with wealth we can also uh, go deeper into the this direction because there's also a quote about George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, and it just touches those aspects that you just mentioned, Tobias. George Washington and Thomas Jefferson had nice houses. They could have enjoyed contented private lives. But it was not just about their property. They believed that you attained happiness not merely through the goods you accumulated or in your private life, but through the good that you did in public. People were happy when they controlled their destiny when their voice was heard, when they participate in public events, when the government did not do things to them or even for them, but with them. I think that's just what you mentioned. And for example, this conversation, of no one of us makes money of it. We just put our time into it. We might learn one thing or the other or, or be irritated about uh, an opinion. But like trying to influence my life or someone else's life that that's also able to create happiness and something also that we might realize in these days people who are just alone they they might have everything they need financially but if they're just alone maybe they're not able to uh, experience happiness because yeah alone maybe happiness does exist less so interaction might be essential for experiencing happiness could you sorry could you play that quote one more time i know it's only like a few seconds but like i kind of want to listen to it one more time if that's possible sure george washington and thomas jefferson had nice houses they could have enjoyed contented private lives but it was not just about their property They believe that you attained happiness not merely through the goods you accumulated or in your private life, but through the good that you did in public. People were happy when they controlled their destiny, when their voice was heard, when they participated in public events, when the government did not do things to them or even for them, but with them. Well, um, just going off that quote, I, I feel like it's hard to define, you know, everyone everyone's uh happiness or goal you know maybe for them uh they 
pursue happiness and in, in having an, an impact in society, uh, in politics, in, in, in people, uh, and that fulfills them, you know, and which is which is absolutely great. But uh, on the other hand, you know, they're, you know, they could be, they could be as, as I mentioned, they could be like wealthy off men, like living in their home, you know, staying a little bit more low key than they uh, than they did. And they could have also had a happy life. So it, it is super hard to to measure each individual's uh, uh, happiness or, or goal in life. You know, that's why. I, I think it's great if you want to have an impact in society and um, uh, of course a positive impact most likely. And, uh, but then I, I think it's like different from individual to individual once again. So what I think is very important to bear in mind is that of course, if you have enough, you can reach your happiness by your own. But if you are depending on society politics makes a difference in your life then there is no, no then you don't have this option to say i stay to my own and i'm going to be happy uh, because whatever politics or society does i don't care i have my house i have my garden i have my um, the money i need etc so and that's also what 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 this quote was saying George uh, Washington and Thomas Jefferson, they had this opportunity to be happy by themselves or with their family. But a larger group of society also nowadays, they don't have this big house and this big garden. So they might not be able uh, to achieve that. What may, I don't know, but maybe all of us, we are, we are having this possibility to say, I, I have a good education. I believe that I'm smart enough to get a good job. This will pay all the things that I think I need. And whatever happens in society, I don't care. That, that might be possible. But for many people, polit uh, political decisions really makes a difference. And today, we, we might realize that um, whatever is decided regarding Corona makes a difference. And even there in, in Cologne, um, there's one neighborhood, Hahnwald, there are just big uh, houses with big gardens there. There's zero cases. And then a few kilometers uh, nearby, there are 500 cases per uh, 100,000 people. So if you are living there, having everything you need. You don't care if you don't, if you shouldn't leave home, etc. But also uh, when there's, when, when there's no crisis as Corona, some people realize what societies decide and others just can say, I can be happy without being part of society openly. Well, I do understand that point, but then, uh, then we also would get into little bit of a conflict which we also see in germany at the moment if everyone wants to have an impact in society and everyone wants to have a say then you know then since every every person is or every individual has a different opinion i mean you know they're like a, a various opinions but um then we will never come to like a like a unified uh, conclusion and that's what's also i mean you know i live over here right now in america but that's why 
from what I hear in Germany, there are so many different uh, opinions, so many different ways of thinking, so many different ways how the politics should be doing things, you know, and um, I'm not saying that the, the government is doing the right thing, but I'm just saying if everyone wants to have an impact in society, uh, doesn't matter if they're wealthy or not, then um, we'd have a lot of conflicts uh, of interest also. Sure, we have we have them, obviously, but we also have them if people don't raise their voice. Um, and it's also participating in society doesn't mean to get your way, it just means participate and in a democracy accept that from time to time. And uh, Switzerland is a good example. They uh, try to get involved many people and then from time to time you win and from time to time to lose because they can, I don't know, not about everything, but many questions they can answer with yes and no. It's not that, it's not necessarily that this is the best way of doing it, but there you can see, you can have an opinion and still you don't get your way. And also, of course, there we see that Uh, most of the questions are answered by, I don't know, 5% or 10% of society. So also there, many people don't care. And that's also part of the, yeah, the idea because not every question is relevant to everyone. And maybe to add to a, a, a larger discussion that also was creating the United States, just to show you one example of people wanting to be represented or to at least get a say. The American revolutionaries wanted to have their voice heard and to participate in government. After all, their slogan was not no taxation, which is such a popular rallying cry today, but no taxation without representation. Representation was critical to happiness. I'm sorry, could you maybe play that clip again? Yes. Thank you. The American revolutionaries wanted to have their voice heard and to participate in government. After all, their slogan was not no taxation, which is such a popular rallying cry today, but no taxation without representation. Representation was critical to happiness. Well, I think in uh, these regards, uh, the definition of happiness is more uh, about taking control of your own life as as an aspect of happiness because basically uh if you're or if you can't decide or if you feel like you don't even have a say in what your government does to you you just feel like you're the subject of somebody else's decisions and uh, you can't live your life as free as you want to so basically that then you could argue that uh the more or like you said that that also plays into the argumentation of the more you participate in the political landscape and the more you feel that you know how uh, the political politics are shaped and what goes into building the politics the happier you are which which just raises the question how does uh, that agree with uh one ronald reagan's uh view of uh, happiness who said that you basically just need to strive for your individual goals if i understood him correctly in order to be happy um, and i think if that's a way other people define happiness they should also be able to uh, bring this into the society and 
have it discussed there. To add something to that, I don't think it necessarily uh, excludes the individual interest because if I, I think he said uh, representatives uh, also kind of yeah match the happiness of the people. I mean, it's also kind of that you the politicians obviously make decisions and the politicians uh, who are representing you or you're voting for, obviously you're voting the people who have the same interest or maybe nearly the same interest like you. So they will make decisions or make decisions based on their interests or the same interests that you have. So you can maybe take an advantage of it, out of it or maybe come your goal or the pursuit of your own happiness little closer so i i think it's kind of including that too i agree that in this case it was uh, the united states were not the united states yet so they were part of of great britain but they didn't have any say in the government in great britain so having their own government just created a possibility of having at least some influence and then of course if you're living in a society with i don't know back then but now 300 and some something million people, then you just have one voice and this counts something, but not everything. But it's better than having a government somewhere else that decides for you and seeing you, even though you're big and, and strong, at least uh, in, in like looking to geography, um, but you don't have any possibility to talk into um, yeah, London politics. And I think in the beginning, the US revolution didn't necessarily mean that the US will be uh, their own state. They, they thought it possible to be just represented in a different way in London. Well, that was not the case, but um, I think this is what they really wanted. And of course, it's also people might say, the less I need to think about what is going to happen tomorrow, the happier I am. So people might say, let someone else decide. And I'm, this makes me more happy if I have to worry about what I'm going to do tomorrow. So of course, it's, you, you always can find uh, a different individual standpoint. Yeah. So I think we, we need to always try to see further than the text. And of course, uh, this that now the quotes were from from the same text I just had a visitor so i think it's it's important to look beyond the texts also because um, in no case we are able to find the text that will already give us all the answers okay yeah i, I wanted to touch on uh something uh, yannick said uh which i thought was interesting but that you can basically uh, vote for your individual interests and that can make you happy but I, I don't I don't think I necessarily agree with that or that's just something that also came to my mind uh, whenever I'm voting basically is the question like do you vote for what you believe in like the ideals or do you just vote for what's best for your economic situation your personal development in terms of the opportunities you get um and i think that can also or like the way the way you see happiness can also factor into that so for example if i were to agree with uh the point of view uh george 
Washington and Jefferson had, I'd probably vote for May uh, for my ideals. And if I was following the more individualistic approach, I'd probably vote in favor of my uh, personal opportunities. Uh, what do you think is uh, the, the way happiness contributes into that? But does it really make a difference? I mean, it can, whether it's your ideals or maybe, I don't know, your economical interest, it's your kind of, kind of how you measure it, right? And it doesn't really matter which one you measure more. It's maybe just what kind of, what's your highest interest at that point. And if you measure, I don't know, your economical personal growth more than maybe your ideals, then you obviously choose or vote for a representative who's, I don't know, having the same opinion like you and the same with the ideals. If you measure the ideals more, because it makes yourself more happy than the econo your personal economical growth, it still, I don't know, matches more, more of your pursuit of happiness at the end. So I, really say, I don't really think there's a big difference between it. It's just how we measure your kind of happiness or your the way you measure your own happiness and based on that you obviously choose maybe which politician or which party you're choosing at the end it's also something we we have seen in several elections in the us that people say uh, that a larger group of voters votes against their economic interests for example someone is extremely religious and then you vote for the Republican Party because you believe they will support your religious belief um, and then you don't care if that is also meaning that you will have less social support, you don't have healthcare, etc. So I think Yannick is right. Everyone has his, its um, table of values in some sense and then they influence partly what you decide and then happiness might not even be a factor because um, I guess most people uh, who don't care too much about politics, they might go uh, even, they, they might go to, to vote, but then the outcome is not going to mean that they will uh, cry for due to happiness or because they're just heartbroken because they, their vote uh, wasn't the The, the final vote that that uh, decided the election to the to their right direction. I think that this furthermore really well represents um, the point of perspective when talking about happiness. Um, we have talked in the beginning that uh, someone might feel happier when when you see someone who's less well off than them, and might feel envy when they see someone who's wealthier, rich, and um, they will be happier if they like the party that is going to give them more economical wealth as they would also not share their wealth with others to become happy and others was, would, would probably say okay i'm most happy when i can help others to to strive for something they want and what they want to achieve and therefore i would like to to vote for ideals even though i am objectively um less well off with 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 my decision um I wonder if you agree with me on that point. Do you mean subjectively you're better well or less well off? 
Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about the difficulties of measuring happiness. It's, in the end, of, it's, it's an emotion. And um, if I like to support my, my fellow students by, I don't know, um, having, them, having them study, this might make me happy, and, but I do not gain anything out of it. Um, that's also what we talked about in the beginning. But my ideal is to, to have greater success or in a way than happiness for others by, by helping them, and which makes me happy in return. And others would say they only concentrate on themselves and they wouldn't, wouldn't look left or right as long as they, they achieve their goals and what makes them wealthier or, or happier in a way. And this but also... Yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, I was just asking, uh, but what do you mean by I'm not gaining anything out of it? I think that you uh, maybe a person who is, I don't know, who's striving for helping others to pursue their happiness or maybe teaching them or something. At the end, you're only doing it because you're, you are gaining something out of it. Not uh, money wise, maybe, but you're gaining your kind of own pursuit of happiness out of it, you know? So at the end, obviously, it's not the economical point of view, but at the end, obviously, you're gaining something too, you know, for yourself. So that's just the point of, of gaining, kind of how you measure gaining happiness at the end again. But I think at the end, you're, by helping others, you're gaining your own happiness out of it. So, so that's fine again too, you know? Yes, that was the, the point I was trying to make with objective and subjective gain. Or yeah, gain. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe to add on that, um, Harari argues that uh, happiness is something hormonal. So it's not something you experience actually, but it's something you see something and then your hormones make something inside you. And this is what you feel happiness like. Actually, it's about all the sensations. It's we we see something, we hear something, we smell something, we eat something, and then it makes something inside of us. So his response on how to be happy is the, the following. The only way dramatically to raise global happiness levels is by psychiatric drugs, genetic engineering and other direct manipulations of our biochemical infrastructure. So we had before, um, that was also from his text, that if you strive for happiness, then you're in the hedonic treadmill, running faster, trying to get there. And then we also talked about the expectations. If you, get, if you reach something, your expectations rise. So that also, if it's always the same thing, for example, a donut will make me happy today and tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. And that's what I need to run for. That's one thing. But if it's today, it's a, it's a donut. And then tomorrow it's going to, it, it has to be a donut from a better restaurant. Then there it starts that we might not be able to experience this like fantastic emotion too often. Like I thought, I thought, which different uh, memories I have where I've, I had the feeling, okay, this is now complete happy, complete happiness and I forget the world around me for that moment. And then uh, in the book, he references to the final goal in the World Cup 2014 from Mario Götze. So 
he probably felt this in this moment complete happiness and 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 i remember that uh, i i didn't score too many goals but uh, i remember and janos and janik they were probably there that scoring a goal probably especially if you don't do it too often but even if you do it as if you're a striker then you have this experience more often but then i guess the feeling of happiness is a different one but i remember that this was a like i really felt the emotion of happiness and of course there are other examples also uh, but then if the fact that i can remember some of them really means that's not something on a daily basis we don't remember the small happiness of every day but we we remember the big happiness from your child's birth you're getting married i don't know like some sportive adventure where you yeah, realize your your dream i don't know and that's hard to reach because we always have to work or from the movie what i mentioned he really suffers to reach this short moment of happiness after the six months of unpaid internship and of course you might say okay that's just what you need to do or and that's not he, he I, i guess he doesn't really mean that this should be the answer but he says that uh, in fact countries universities uh drug cartels they they try to find the real drug so that people are happy and this might be the easier path than struggling for natural happiness if, if you may say so i don't i don't have the Uh, experience with the drug so i can't i can't compare but um, for him this is the easy answer but also the only answer he thinks that is realistic so that really all people are happier happier than people in stone age because he believes that people in stone age were as happy as we are today because the hormonal happiness didn't change in the short time that is a long time from our perspective but for evolution still short time. Um, I have to say I find it difficult to agree with his quote because um, while maybe people feel happier, you're not really making them happy in the way that they would maybe like to be happy. I feel like you're just changing what they perceive as happiness being. So I'm not sure like I fully agree with like this way of achieving happiness. Yeah, I, I agree with you and with him in some sense also. And I, I don't I think I said it before that his understanding of happiness is this quite personal one. And I think uh, scientifically he's correct. If you can reproduce the sensation of happiness, then that's what you feel. And it, it, the, just the sensation inside of our bodies might be exactly the same from scoring the final goal in the world cup or taking some drug that makes you happy and then in generally people who start using drugs as we try to be happy in our normal life and we take maybe two years to go to reach that point people who take drugs they also get addicted to happiness so and they they once they know this easy answer And this might not be even too easy because you also have to pay for it and i don't know but 
So they also try to, to go there, to go to this happy place again. And of course, there they don't think about if it's necessary to be in the public, try to change the world. And, and they might even also do that. But if you just go to this personal feeling of happiness, that's obviously not necessary. But it's also for sure not what the US Constitution means by pursuing happiness. Because then people could also argue, I don't know uh, how, how, how the, the slogan would be, but free all drugs, because that's part of pursuit of happiness. It's arguable with this. If you, if you translate happiness and the pursuit in, in a certain context, it's arguable to say, open this, this chance and we will be happier and people might fight less and etc. I think there's also a difference between, uh, let's say, although you compare it to maybe scoring a goal, but I had the same feeling, obviously, if you maybe score a, a goal in the final or the winning goal, I don't know. But uh, I think for me, there's a difference between kind of satisfaction, being satisfied with your life or something. Maybe if you have, I don't know, I'm not married, but if you have a, maybe a good marriage, you are maybe you won't probably have like the ultimate happiness feeling every day once you wake up, but you have a kind of a feeling of satisfaction. You're satisfied and obviously you're happy in the state of life you are right now, but maybe compared to the drug, drugs, I guess I don't really have uh, that much experience uh, uh, that too, but I feel like drugs maybe give you kind of this all-time high or this all-time happiness for a short moment more often i don't know i guess than maybe other other situations do you know maybe with adrenaline and everything so i i get his point obviously i don't i don't know about you guys but uh, i i'm i'm not really into drugs that much so i can't really picture it myself but I kind of get his point, you know, because if I could, I would score a winning goal every day because it's uh, the all-time feeling of happiness. But it's maybe not the, but it's only also for a short for a short time or a short term. And the other part, I think, or what I think, people or I should also try to pursue is not this. Obviously, you're trying to get that too, but it's more the point of gaining happiness through satisfaction or satisfied life maybe or being satisfied by the things you're doing or pursuing you know i have a final thought because i have to drop out after that but uh just to to connect to your thought Yannick, and and that i want for example with that um i would score uh <laughs> the final goal every day if i could it, and i kind of like it but i also think And that also reconnects to the quote is if we have this feeling of happiness every day and it's kind of a in the moment happiness, it's not a, like a lifetime happiness. I think it kind of loses its value because it's just not a thing that, like you said, Jacob, it's not just once in a lifetime kind of a birth of a child or something. No, but it's actually happening every day and it's kind of becoming normal and I think 
that is also what what drugs can do because you have this all-time high and you just need more and kind of that is something that maybe can yeah maybe can um be created kind of out of out of taking drugs when you take them regularly you just need more and get re or something like that and that is maybe also in the same way the pursuit of happiness you kind of want more if you have this what he talked earlier about uh, I want to go off that point because I really, uh, I mean, to Yannick's and I think his name was Mark, Martin, right? So um, I, I do agree with Yannick's point when it comes to uh, the the argument of the of the quote that drugs kind of create a, a, a moment uh, of, of ultimate happiness. I mean, it does make sense in a certain way. Obviously, we all know that what drugs do to you, that they can be, uh, you know, uh, life-changing in a, in a very negative way afterwards. Um, so that's why I, I'm obviously very skeptical about it as well. But just about the moment that it creates something within your body that, uh, and, you know, you, you gain that positive and ultimate feeling and ultimate effect. Uh, I do get the thought behind it. But also going back to Martin's point, if I would, and like you guys, like uh, Jacob and Yannick, I mean, we all played soccer. Uh, you know, we weren't the ultimate goal scoring machines, all of us, but um, we know how it, how it feels to, to, to score a goal in an important game. And uh, it's, uh, it's hard to, to compare it to any, anything else. And, um, but I would agree with that. Like if you have that feeling like on a daily basis, like that kind of, uh, you know, that, that or or was it called fuck i forgot the english word sorry but um if you have that feeling every day then uh that would be maybe you would get used to it and that's exactly what martin was saying then you uh you get used to it you maybe want more and you're not satisfied with like you know scoring uh uh i don't know like five goals a season anymore or 10 goals a season and you, you say more that's like also it's going towards ambition which is not bad but also could be you know if you compare that towards drugs, you know, it's the same thing. If you always want more and more and more, then, uh, and you don't get a satisfaction with what you have and what you gain, like, uh, if you gain that feeling once in a while, then it's not anything special anymore. So uh, that's just, like, my take on that. I, I agree. I totally agree with that. So I'm, I'm, I have the same opinion, like Martin, too. Yeah, I also uh, really do agree with the points you guys voiced. Uh, what is just one thing I wanted to add is, I guess, that uh, what differentiates the winning goal compared to the drugs is that the winning goal is actually more sustainable, I'd say, uh, in the fashion that when you do drugs, because there are, or I think I'm also not an expert on this topic, but I think there's a lot of negative implications for your body. So you basically... You buy, uh, you you buy that happiness uh, for the degradation or degree for the I don't know for the for your body to become worse, and when you just score the winning goal, it's just an, an added experience. So I, I'd say there is a difference in quality that the because of this, the winning goal uh, is is the more sustainable and. I'd say more desirable form of happiness or for me at least.
Yeah, I also don't fully know how, like, whether he's just talking about regular jugs or whether he, like, has a special jug that just gives you happiness. But I have to say, at least for myself, like, if you achieve something for yourself, it's always worth more than if you just get it. Like, if it's something you really wanted, like, it's a different feeling of just getting it for free, like, not doing anything for it at all, other than, like, having to work for it and then achieving it. Because I feel like that's part of the happiness, the 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 way to like the way getting like getting there um and also to come back what uh, janos and well all of you guys said with um the value of happiness the fact that it's i feel like you have to like it's difficult to achieve happiness if you don't know what it's like to not be happy because that's like we always have a benchmark for something and if you all if you're always happy like how would you know that you're happy in that moment so yeah, I fully agree with you guys as well. Well, what I think is interesting about uh, the the soccer example, because also soccer is, of course, it's not drugs, but it's also not part of real society. Like if you like, if you play in minor leagues or um, as a child, then people like your parents might watch, but you don't change society. Of, of course, on a different level, it's something else because there people relate also to watching the game, etc. But in if you're a child and you score this final goal, it's also in a in in, in like a parallel world that you can enter, and there you can have different feelings that in in a normal yeah, daily basis you don't have. Because you you can really feel this happiness that we talked about. You can really be upset for different reasons. You you don't you lose or you you just uh, almost scored uh, the, the final goal. So that's that's. I, I don't know how much more sustainable in this context it is because depending on how you interact by sports into society it's also this just this personal um, happiness and then also in Harari mentions that in Buddhism the idea is actually try to limit the, the highs and the lows try not to feel this ultimate happiness and try to achieve it all the time and don't get depressed by a moment of sadness, but just realize those sensations as part of life and really accept them as experiences as they are and be glad for the feeling because having the feeling already means something. And of course, then if you can again translate this having the feeling, even though you're not having this happy feeling that the drugs I think the idea is that the drugs are exactly able to create the same sensation. So you can't compare what happens inside of you. But then if you say, okay, I, I don't care all the time. I'm just happy of uh, being alive. Then again, you create the sensation of happiness. And if you don't mind, I would, I, I was trying, I don't know, half an hour ago trying to, go into this second sm uh, second smoke or secondhand smoke uh, quote I think it's quite interesting because there again it translates from this personal happiness into how in public sphere you can 
achieve happiness and how it's also a topic for society. Because in the beginning, the first quote was that happiness is the happiness of society is the first law of every government. So that really society or governments, they, they need to reach this goal of happiness in society. And then that's a way to take away the burden of, of the government because you reached in some way the goal that we all, at least in, in this pop cultural way of thinking, the goal of life being happy. So let me show you the quote about how, like it continues the, the thought of secondhand smoke as uh, rapidly becoming a metaphor of our time. So uh, responsibility we share, intershare with others for our own actions. Um, yeah, it continues this, this thought. We moderns build institutions and establish tacit norms to guarantee the security of such private pleasures. That's liberal individualism. But what do we do once we see that some of those choices threaten the health and the life of others? We will have to strike a new equilibrium between what society has the right to demand of us and what we have a right to retain for ourselves. But we have done that before. To take the most obvious example, President Franklin D. Roosevelt curbed the excesses of the marketplace in order to nurse a devastated economy back to health thereby incurring the wrath of much of the business community. FDR was a liberal, that was the word he used to describe himself, but he was willing to restrict some liberties in order to advance larger ones. A liberal, as he once put it, was prepared to use government to ensure the ordinary citizen the right to his own economic and political life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Liberal societies, in short, have always faced the problem of secondhand smoke, but what once was exceptional has now become endemic. One man's meat is another man's poison, as FDR put it, more prescient than he knew. In the cataclysm of the depression, the president was able to summon up the sense of collective purpose needed to embark on large-scale change. Our own crisis, of course, still appears to many far too remote for any such call to sacrifice. So this quote is from our pursuit of happiness is killing the planet. So he's like when he mentions crisis, he mentions the, the climate crisis and shows that that interacts with the, the conversation of liberty last time that what we experience as liberty and this might uh, enable us to also feel happiness also means at the same time that others nowadays or others in the future or nowadays somewhere else or our neighbor they suffer by me pursuing and experiencing my happiness and in addition um, I think what's important is often we feel we get angry about losing a liberty, losing a possibility of happiness instead of seeing that the, the way things are at the moment, the rules we have at the moment, they create already 
a system where certain liberties they are not possible so we might even okay that's just the way it is but we care less about this than seeing or realizing that okay there's something i i had yesterday and today i'm not allowed anymore to have that and i think there uh, and, and in some ways our conversation already touched on uh, upon these topics on of course there's this individual happiness and the, the individual understanding of happiness as a, a sensation a personal sensation but then there's also the larger understanding of happiness where we might also try to find a common understanding uh, and actually that's what we partly try in this conversation to just understand our different approaches but then also to see how in society and, and even a small group of society how my own happiness is interacting with somebody else's and then uh, as also we just, just discussed before how some people are able to stay just by their by their selves and and have this happiness already and then others because another person or another group created a situation where they can be liberal like where they can experience liberty and happiness a larger group cannot even though because their experiences are so low this sensation of happiness might even happen as often to them as to others and we can listen to the quote also again if you want but just if you want yeah i'd like to hear it again if that's okay We moderns build institutions and establish tacit norms to guarantee the security of such private pleasures. That's liberal individualism. But what do we do once we see that some of those choices threaten the health and the life of others? We will have to strike a new equilibrium between what society has the right to demand of us and what we have a right to retain for ourselves. But we have done that before. To take the most obvious example, President Franklin D. Roosevelt curbed the excesses of the marketplace in order to nurse a devastated economy back to health, thereby incurring the wrath of much of the business community. FDR was a liberal, that was the word he used to describe himself, but he was willing to restrict some liberties in order to advance larger ones. A liberal, as he once put it, was prepared to use government to ensure the ordinary citizen the right to his own economic and political life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Liberal societies, in short, have always faced the problem of second-hand smoke, but what once was exceptional has now become endemic. One man's meat is another man's poison, as FDR put it, more prescient than he knew. In the cataclysm of the depression the president was able to summon up the sense of collective purpose needed to embark on large-scale change our own crisis of course still appears to many far too remote for any such call to sacrifice uh, yeah so i agree with the point of the article that uh, sometimes in order to keep your liberties you uh, have to restrain some of your liberties you're taking you're having right now and that can and that this contributes to leading a happy life or leading uh or pursuing your pursuit of happiness um 
so I'd say it's it's a really interesting point and it's just one in order to work it there needs to be a common ground in society so that everybody feels the way that his reduction of happiness or of liberty or happiness in that sense right now leads to more happiness in the long term but I think that's a very powerful realization that can really uh, affect long-term change especially uh, regarding the climate issue he was talking about. I think also we can <clears throat> see how uh, FDR's understanding of happiness might be closer to Robert Kennedy's understanding of happiness so that Uh, helping others, even though they might be in the future, um, is something that also can mean happiness. Or like we also discussed before, um, voting with your ideal, even though you might economically or personally on the short run not benefit from your decision, also might be achieving happiness. And also is something worth to defend because I and, and we also mentioned that before um, and also even in the beginning having the pursuit of happiness being firstly something of pop culture and then also having the understanding of uh, wealth being closely connected with happiness and if this is the common understanding then of course all the time when the short-term wealth might be addressed. People will start defending their, their habitat, but in order to create the possibility of happiness also in the future, then we need to understand that we can, this also can be a sensation of happiness nowadays to change uh, our expectations also to helping others And this being part of, of happiness. But I, 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 I believe that this is one of the hard tasks that we are facing. Just because even just, I think if you ask people on the street what they understand by pursuit of happiness, uh, and then we, we let away this pursuit, if that's meaning uh, chasing happiness or also having the human right of having happiness or experiencing happiness. If we just con concentrate on happiness, I think for many people also this economic well-being or being able to, that no one interfe interferes in their way of life, that this might be one of the most common answer. And that the, the, the question of being able as a society to reach a goal is an understanding that is much, much less common, but I think would be quite beneficial for society if we understood that this cooperation is also something that even the US constitution holds up as a human right. Yeah, I agree with you there. And, uh, just something I think you also kind of said it in between the lines that I just wanted to point out maybe uh, in order to make it more attractive or this uh, concept of happiness more attractive one could also argue that uh, 
by uh, restricting yourself now, you gain long-term happiness, not only for others, but for yourself. Because let's say you don't restrict yourself in 10 years, you won't be able to do this, the same things you're doing right now. So uh, maybe that could also be an incentive. Thank you all for participating in this month's uh, Transatlantic Conversation podcast. Next month, we continue with a different topic around society, politics on a global or transatlantic scale. Thank you all. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right.